morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give a call? Our number is 291-6901. And if you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always get your questions answered by going to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the little form, and send it right on in. There you go. Wish you would. We like to hear from people, and that always makes it real interesting for us to have things to talk about on the show. As we get a lot of our input on the show through email sure. that we receive, questions that people send in, gives us ideas for things to discuss. It gives us something to talk about there you go. between the phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If we can come up with a lot of topics, but if you have something particular that you like, the best thing to do is send me an email sure. and say, hey, could you guys discuss blah, blah, this, blah, this. whatever it is, because not everything occurs to us. Right. And, you know, being in the automotive business, there are things that we assume are sort of, I don't know, I guess you just assume that everybody knows it or whatever, but a lot of people maybe do not know or do not understand something. Like a little bit more information on like it. Like more information yeah. on it or whatever. And the very finest way for us to know that is for you to send, send us, us an email. email and let us know. There you go. And that way we can work it on into our not-so-busy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a phone call. Let's talk to Jimmy. Good morning, Jimmy. Hey, good morning, Lewis. How you doing this morning? Doing great, sir. I got an 08 Xterra. Mm-hmm. I just bought it new, used. Uh-huh. And the battery post is kind of dirty on it. I was wondering, am I going to kill anything when disconnecting all the battery on it? Well, you will lose several things, Jimmy. But if you're not having any kind of problem, for instance, you don't have a check engine light or any of that, the good news is it will all eventually regenerate. You know, you will lose what they call the IM test, which you would have to have to get an inspection sticker. So if you were close to inspection, you might want to go get your sticker before you do that. Or if you had a check engine light and you disconnected the battery, you would lose all the diagnostic information you needed to repair it. Some vehicles will lose other things like window programming and all that. I don't think an Xterra is going to do that, but some of them do. And some of the newer stuff, you will lose quite a bit of stuff that has to be reprogrammed. So it can get really expensive if you have to go back. I know some of your European cars, like I had a friend who had a BMW. He said the battery went dead. It cost him $300 to reprogram everything in it. Uh, He had to set the suspension angles and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you're going to have anything like that on your Xterra. Now, one thing you could do just to kind of hedge your bet is if you had like a little auxiliary battery, you could hook across the terminals when you disconnect from the battery. You just have to be careful and don't touch anything. But we've got a rig made up at the shop with two little clamps. We can clamp to the battery terminals, disconnect the battery, and still keep power on the system. And it's really not hard to fashion something like that if you want to go to that extent. But I guess to answer your question, you're not going to lose anything insurmountable. When you get back in it and hook it up, it may idle real funny. It may even shift funny mm-hmm. for a while, but it will eventually learn that again, and it'll smooth itself out. All right. Well, thank you, Lewis. Appreciate okay. it. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number to join part of the automotive. I would love to have you. And Josh at the shop had a good idea. He says, you know, this time of year – a lot of people are going on vacation. You know, right. Thanksgiving is one of the largest travel days most, most of people, the year. Most people have the entire week off for Thanksgiving. A lot so. of people do, and a lot of people fly, but a lot of people drive. Sure. And if you're going to drive, one really good idea is before you take your car on the road, unless you're meticulous about maintaining it, mm-hmm. like some folks are, 
is to go in and have what they call a trip check or general inspection of some sort. In other words, have the car looked at by a professional before you get on the road. Right. Because this can save a number of unexpected, unintended type consequences. One thing that comes to mind is like batteries. You may have a battery in your car. Let's say you're from South Louisiana. Right. Well, it's been very, very warm. That warm temperature really overstresses the battery. But it's still operating above 100% because the heat. The Mm -hmm. heat kicks the reaction up. But it's been compromised. So as soon as you travel to a colder location, you get an unpleasant surprise in the form of a dead battery. Exactly. Now, had that battery been tested, load tested, capacitance tested, they could have told you, hey, this is going to fail. And you'd have had the opportunity to change it out where you want it, when you want it, a good quality battery like you want it. You wouldn't lose all your memory and all your uh, readiness tests and all that either. That's right. So you could make that a whole, whole lot easier situation by having the vehicle check. I see we've got a couple of lines lit up here. We got Jake online. Good morning, Jake. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Awesome. Uh, I got a 2013 Chevy 2500. It's the HD model. Mm -hmm. And brought it to a couple of different shops already and done a couple of diagnostics checks with some buddies of mine that have the equipment to do it. It is throwing an engine code saying uh, random misfire. Okay. Changed all the plugs, Mm -hmm. checked everything, and it's doing it again. Mm -hmm. I've noticed it'll come on and go off though intermittently mm-hmm. and i've noticed with the when, whenever i'm filling up i fill it up with fuel about 50 miles into it the engine light will go off it'll last um, about a gallon uh, about a tank of fuel and then it'll come on again yeah nobody can tell me what's wrong with this thing well you're not bringing it to the right guy because that can be diagnosed jake a misfire the reason it comes and goes is because certain tests will be aborted when you have a full tank of gas. It won't run those tests. So it may not be picking up the misfire. And that's sort of just the way GM's, yeah, their system is just written. It aborts certain tests above a certain fuel level. It aborts other tests below a certain fuel level and so on. So the light may cycle off. It'll still be in history. But a misfire is, first off, you have to test and see if it is a general misfire affecting all cylinders or if it's unique to one cylinder that's going to yeah, be it's, it's all yeah it's all cylinders mm-hmm. if you got all cylinder misfire then you're into something that affects all of the cylinders so you got to be sure they're diagnosing that correctly number one because it could be a couple of cylinders and they're just saying all you have to know that because if not you can go off on a tangent you know if it's a single cylinder misfire something affecting one cylinder for instance, you, you wouldn't change spark plugs for a general misfire on all cylinders because all eight plugs are not bad. You know that going in. So right. that, that was a totally waste of time. If you had a single cylinder misfire, you might go after a spark plug. You're more likely into something like an airflow meter that's reading improperly that affects all the cylinders, possibly a fuel pump with low fuel pressure that's affecting all the cylinders. It could be something like the fuel management system is shutting down certain cylinders when it should not be. So these are the kinds of things that you'd be looking for, something that affects all of the cylinders and not one cylinder. In other words, you wouldn't go after a fuel injector because you didn't get eight bad fuel injectors. That just didn't right. happen. You could if, it, if you had a misfire on cylinder one, then you'd start looking at, like, the injector, the plug, the call, the wire, all those kinds of things. Something unique to that one to cylinder. To the one cylinder. But when you got a general misfire, it's something that affects all the cylinders equally. You see what I'm saying? So that's what okay. you have to know before you go in. Now, before I spent a whole, whole lot of money and a whole lot of diagnostic time, the first thing I'd do is go pull TSBs for your truck 
make sure there's not a TSB for a misfire because sometimes you have like a computer software update for stuff like that. And again, I can't remember them all, but you know, you look at TSBs, if there's a misfire update, you know, sometimes it's as simple as reprogramming the computer. For instance, it may not even have a misfire. It may just think it does. So well, it'll throw a light and it, you, you can check and check and check. You don't see one. So it's just, you need somebody with a diagnostic culture who can go in and do a systematic approach like what I'm describing to you. And that can be found. I mean, it's, it's not it's not anything that difficult. It can be found. just requires a little different approach than a lot of shops use. All right. Thank you, Lewis. Okay, man. Thanks, Jake. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive fire, I think we've got Lisa online. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. I have a simple question. Okay. I have a 2007 Patriot Jeep, uh-huh. and I bought it in to the Jeep people because I heard some noises, and they said that my muffler, um, I need a muffler. Okay. And when he quoted me the price for a muffler, $800. Yeah. So can I get an aftermarket? Can I go somewhere else like to, like to a muffler place? Yeah. Am I going to pay $800 for a muffler? Okay. Well, the reason, Lisa, for the difference in price, when you're talking about original equipment parts as opposed to aftermarket parts, they're just not built to the same standard. Now, to answer your question, okay. can you get an aftermarket muffler? Absolutely. Can you expect it to hold up as well as the original one did? Probably not. So it just comes okay. down to how long you plan on keeping the vehicle. You know, if you're gonna keep I'm going to keep this. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> if you're going to keep it one or two years, I'd probably go with an aftermarket muffler. If you're going to keep it for eight, nine more years, I think you'd uh-huh. be cheaper to go okay. with an OEM muffler. And it's okay. kind of unusual for that to happen. You, you might want to get someone to look at it and see if the muffler could be repaired. Because yes. if it's just making noise, is it like a rattling noise? Uh-huh. Some, yeah, it's like a it's like a rattling. See, mm-hmm. it could be something that's gotten into the muffler, or it could be one of the baffles inside the muffler has broken loose, or one of the shields on the outside. Or one of the shields on the outside the is rattling, and sometimes those things can be repaired. You could just go in and weld that back together. Right. We had a much, much, oh. much lower cost. Now, a dealership okay. is not going to do anything like that. They're right. simply going to replace the part because they don't have anyone there who could weld or do that kind of repair. Right. But some of your right. uh, other shops, like your independent shops just lean more towards customer service so they're equipped to do repairs to things that dealerships generally are not okay so i would probably get it reinspected and see if there's a way to repair what you've got that would be your ultimate fix if not you do have to buy a muffler i think i would go with oem if you plan on keeping it oh yeah i am and and when you say oem original equipment manufacturer Okay. And you like don't have parts. and you don't have to go to the Jeep dealer to get that. For instance, our shop sells OEM parts. We we get them from Jeep and oh. install them. And our labor rate is generally a little lower than what the dealer would be. So it would be a little bit okay. less. Well, it won't be a huge amount right. less, but it'd be slightly less than what the Jeep dealer would be. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's good to know because I'm not from here. So okay. that's good to know. Yeah, just check Thank around. You. There'll be there'll be an independent shop in your area that could do that for you. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, Lisa. Much. Thanks for calling. Mm, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, big take our first quick little break and be right back with a whole lot more. The best. I get your kicks on Co for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. 
Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And we're going back to the phone lines with Tim. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Yes, sir. I have a 2017 Ram 2500 turbo diesel. Okay. And my question is about the DEF gauge. When I bought the truck like eight months ago, new, for the first two months, the gauge, you know, it was operational. Like it would go down a little bit. And when it got to about a half, I would add some to it. Mm -hmm. And that went on for about the first two months. And then I started noticing that it hadn't moved for like, two months hmm. so i took it back into the dealer and i'm like look something's going on because this gauge is not moving at all and they were like well oh um well we checked it we didn't find anything wrong with it whatever whatever and i said well look what will happen if it runs out of def and they said well the check engine light would come on and it would start some kind of pattern in order to get you to add def to it yeah it'll start shutting was, the cylinders down on you right but it'll give you some warning before then right well, as long as the gauge is working <laughs> It started giving warnings when my wife was actually in it. I'm from Baton Rouge, but she was in it in New Orleans, and it happened to her down there in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So I, I got my brother-in-law to come over there and add some DEF to it. But the gauge did not show that you needed it? No, it still stuck on full. Yeah, you yeah, need to take that back to it and yeah. hold their feet to the fire, Tim, because that gauge is supposed to work, and that, I mean, that comes under emission, so they've got to fix that, you know? Right. I mean, so that, that's I, crazy. I, I, well, I took it back. Mm -hmm. I took it back again, and they said, "Well, we'll have you know we have to wait another three to five thousand miles before we do anything else to it." And I, you know, I kept I kept that. It kept that, and they said, "All right, well, you know, we found out what's wrong. It's some kind of a pump or something like that." Okay. Well, they said that they changed that, and it's still not working. It's still not moving at all. Yeah. And I just wanted to know if it's normal that that gauge would stay on full for no, that longer. No, 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 it, no. it should, that heard of? no, it should indicate the level in the tank. Something's just wrong with yours. What you need to right. do is probably go in and ask to speak to a factory representative. And there's, if you're dealing with a service rider, the first thing I might do is, is first go in and ask to speak to the service manager. He's the guy mm -hmm. who's the boss of the service rider. Cause it sounds like they're kind of giving you the run around there. If the service right. manager can't resolve it, the next thing is to actually speak to a factory rep. And that's a guy who works for Chrysler who comes in, I don't know, every week or every two weeks or whatever the schedule is for him. And you tell him your story. Tell him, look, I've had this problem and I want this fixed. I bought your vehicle. I like the vehicle. I'd like to buy another one from you. But right. I don't think I should have to ride around with a gauge that doesn't function. Right. And he has a lot more wherewithal to put pressure on him than you do. But, yeah, I mean – the gauge should work, plain and simple. Right. You know, right. If, if, if it's running low on DEF fluid and starting to shut down all that and the gauge says full, then obviously there's a problem. And, and just because they didn't diagnose it right doesn't mean you're on the hook for anything. I mean, they got to right. make the gauge work. Right. You might want to mm -hmm. bring it in there when it's getting low. 
instead of bringing it in there when it's full so yeah. they don't give you the excuse, well, we got to wait till it runs out. Yeah. Wait till right. it, wait, and, Go ahead and the drive problem it. Is I, look, the problem is I can't tell. It's like I have to – I have because I hadn't – since this last time I took it in there, I've probably driven another 1,500 miles since mm-hmm. they changed that pump, mm-hmm. and it hadn't moved at all. Okay. Well, you know that in probably 2,500 miles, it will be low. You right. start using some right. up. Right, right. Running about another 1,000 right. miles and then take it in and say, okay, guys, now I've got 2,500 miles since I've added DEF fluid. It still says full. So what's going okay. on? So what's going on? Okay. And okay. see, there may even be a flash update to the computer for that. I I would have to look in service data to see, but get them to check technical bulletins. Maybe it just reads wrong, and there's an update to the computer that fixes that. could be the float center in, in the tank. I mean, there's all kinds of things it could be. But, mm-hmm. you know, it could be disconnected. It could be a broken wire. Because some things, when they don't get a signal at all, they go to full. Some things, when they don't mm-hmm. get a signal, they go to empty. It just depends. Yep. But it sounds to me like it's not getting a signal somewhere. So, I okay. mean, it's under warranty. The thing is, Tim, warranty is not something they're doing for free. You paid uh-huh. for that warranty. It was included in the price of that vehicle. There was probably okay. two, two to $3,000 to add to the price of the truck you bought to cover the warranty claims. And you've you. already paid for it. So they got your money. Your truck is broke. And now they're giving you the runaround. So it's exactly. not like they're doing you a favor by fixing it. <laughs> right, right, right. So yep. you should expect the exact same service you would expect if you were paying for it. If you went in and paid them to fix that gauge and it wasn't working, you wouldn't be real happy. So it's the same right. exact thing. You know, they just okay. got your money up front. Yep. yep. Okay, you guys. Well, I appreciate it. All righty. Okay, man. All right. Thanks, Tim. All right. All right. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. We were talking just a little bit about going on vacation Uh having your vehicle looked at before you go on vacation it will save you a whole lot of headache if you happen to have a problem because little bitty things that are really not much of an issue when you're in town can be a major issue when you're out of town sure you know one thing that kind of comes to my mind we get a lot of folks come in and you put the key in ignition you go turn it won't turn and say oh you got to jiggle it up and down to make it turn Mm -hmm. well that's a minor inconvenience at home as long as you know how to jiggle the key and make it work. But what can happen, you can get on vacation, and again, suppose you go up to the area where it gets really cold. Right. Well, now you put the key in, you jiggle it, but it won't turn because the thermal changes has changed something in the cylinder. Well, now you got a car that you can't turn on. You're stuck there. Maybe you got the wife, the kids, the groceries. Worst of all, maybe your mother-in-law <laughs> in the back seat or whatever. You know, I'm saying it's a relatively easy problem to resolve when you're at home well and not only that when the key will turn in the cylinder Mm -hmm. if you can get it to turn it doesn't take that much labor to take the cylinder out have it rekeyed put it back all together and it it works like it's supposed to if that key does not turn the cylinder if it seizes or if it will not turn it Mm -hmm. then you are into a major labor because the way you take that cylinder out has to do with the way you turn that key. And yeah. if the key doesn't turn, the cylinder can't come well, out of the house. For security housing. reasons, you have to have a key that works, put it in, rotate it, then the cylinder can be removed. Correct. Because if it could be done without that, then a thief could come up, remove the cylinder, and steal your car. Sure. So they want to know that you do have a key. So virtually all of them, you put the key in, turn the cylinder to a certain position, then it comes out to work on it. But if you cannot turn it, now you've got to go in and try to drill the cylinder out and because if a cylinder were easy to drill out, again, a thief would just drill it out and start the car and steal right. it. All that has They're hardened. generally hardened steel. Right. They're very difficult to get to. The parts you need to get to, plus the damage you have to cause doing that. So you're going to be way, way, way bigger deal if this occurs to you. And that's just one of the little things. Sure. 
all the little tiny nagging things that you've just kind of been putting up with can change drastically when you go to a different environment. Of course. You know, in South Louisiana, again, we consider 40 degrees cold. Man, oh, yeah. Man, this is cold. Yeah, I've seen people with big old thick hooded jackets on and everything, and it was like 50 degrees yeah, it outside. like Kenny on uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, you know, when you go somewhere like New York State, where it really gets cold, sure. Buffalo, New York, go below to Montana somewhere. Zero, below zero. Yeah, zero or below. You're going to have a lot of different things that are going to start happening in the car. Mm-hmm. And cars are designed to adapt to a lot of these things, but there are limits to what they can adapt to, sure. particularly if they're not running properly. You know, if they already have a compromise. Another thing is if the transmission has not been serviced recently mm-hmm. or maybe not even at all. What happens is that the fluid gets very dirty. The filter starts to get restricted. The fluid, the viscosity on it changes. Now you get into a cold climate. Well, the first thing the engine is going to do is going to speed the idle up. Sure. So you get up in the morning, you crank the car up, and instead of idling at six to 700 RPM, it's idling up around 2,000 RPM. The fluid has gotten thick from the viscosity change and being filthy dirty. The pressure is sky high. You slam it in reverse, and you hear a loud wham, and now the car don't move Yeah, because you just broke something. But, again, this is something that was going on anyway. It's just the changes in temperature delivered the problem. They didn't cause the problem. They delivered the problem to you. It was going to happen anyway. Had you gone in, had the transmission service, now the fluid viscosity would have been correct. The pressure would have been lower. Maybe the filter wouldn't be restricted, so you were getting proper pressure. Possibly even the engine running condition all might have been changed to a point where it wasn't idling so fast. Mm -hmm. Things like a thermostat that is working slowly. Well, when you're in the warm, warm climate, you're really not going to notice that too much. Right. Because when it's 100 degrees outside, a thermostat is really, I mean, it's still needed, but it's It's not not needed needed to the same degree. Right. When it's close to zero outside, now thermostat becomes very, very, very important because Cold engine temperature, number one, is going to increase your gas usage, your fuel usage considerably. Mm-hmm. You're going to burn a lot more fuel. And all that extra fuel does things like washing down cylinder walls. It's bad for the engine. You start getting extra fuel in the converter and all that sort of thing. But not only that, it also controls the idle on the car. If the, if the, the engine out- is not run right, if the outside temperature is cold, it's going to speed that engine up which is making everything turn faster. So when you shift in and out of park or neutral, it's going to be a much, much more dramatic turn of events. Sure. Hey, we've got to take one more quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Got to run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah. A general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar, and I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie. 
me my car, into Agco for a general inspection. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Well, you can give us a call. That's it. Shout right. us up. <laughs> right now is a great time. You can still get a live, in-depth answer. There you go. We were talking a little bit about traveling to other areas, vacation sort of things, mm-hmm. or taking a trip and having your vehicle inspected in advance of that. And you brought up a couple of really good points. The first one was the battery in your remote. Right, because a lot of your vehicles, especially the ones with the push-button start, Mm -hmm. they rely on that remote to get the right signal so that button will work. Mm -hmm. And if the battery is not up in that remote, then the push-button is not going to work correctly. The car may not start. Now, Now, that being said, get in your owner's manual and look, because there is a slot somewhere in that vehicle to insert that remote into in case the remote goes dead, you can still use the push button to start the vehicle. Right. And the thing is, you don't want to start having to look for that when you push the button and it doesn't start. Exactly. And you're trying to get somewhere. So you want a familiar, and it's, it's not a bad idea. I know nobody ever does it because that book is boring. Oh, it's, it's, it's about an inch and a half thick. Two inches and, thick, right. yeah. But that's the car you got. It's wise to kind of flip through that book, read up on all these little different circumstances. You, you know, I opened one the other day. I was looking for an all change reset procedure. Mm-hmm. And I opened up the little manual, and about 15 pages were earmarked. One here, one there, one there. And you open it up, and it was to pertinent information mm-hmm. that the owner wanted to find real fast. Yeah, that's a good idea. And it was it was a great idea. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing is certain features that maybe you don't use a whole lot at home, mm-hmm. like rear window defrosters. Right. We rarely ever use those here because we don't have a lot of frost here. Mm-hmm. But if you get up in a colder region and your back glass is all frozen and frosted it's a real good idea to know how to use that sure winded frost <laughs> boy I, I, i'm I, telling I you so I... tongue-tied trying to say that <laughs> the rear window defroster and sometimes it's very intuitive and it's very simple mm-hmm. but some of them are a little more cryptic and you have to sort of know how to do that because if you're driving down the interstate and your windows fogged up and you want to see right then you that's not time to to try to figure it out <laughs> start trying to figure out how to decipher this rascal But, yeah, there's lots of things like that. Another thing that comes to mind is the shift interlock. And there's all modern cars have a deal that you cannot shift them out of park without pressing the brake pedal. Correct. It's a safety feature. keeps from getting put into gear by accident. But the thing is, if something malfunctions, like if the brake light switch goes out, in some vehicles, if the two rear taillights burn out, Mm -hmm. it will not shift out of park. You just can't get it out of park. You you turn the key on. You but. Most all of them will have an override procedure. Somewhere there's an override lever or access to a lever. A little button that, that right. you can push or a, a lot of hole times, to stick the key in. Or a lot something. of times it's hidden over. You have to take a component off to get to it. Some, I mean, I think when they first came out, they were kind of obvious. There was a little slot right, right. next to the shifter. You, you could so. put a, you take your key and put in it mm-hmm. and move the shifter. But they've got a kind of hidden that stuff now from you. I noticed the other day we had a Jeep Compass in the shop Mm -hmm. and there was a little panel on the side of the console you had to pop it out to access it so Mm -hmm. it's something you're going to have to look for and And almost all of that is going to be in the owner's manual it will somewhere (laughs) it will be in there somewhere so what the point is you want to go in and figure all these things out because if you're prepared for something like that when it happens you're gonna be the hero oh yeah you know you get in the car it doesn't come out of park your wife's freaking out the kids are all screaming hollering and you're the hero. You get to 
hey, watch this. Boop, 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 boop. And you know exactly what to do. <laughs> so that's the position you want to be in, sure. not running around trying to figure out what's going on, trying to call a service shop and all that when you're trying to relax and be on vacation and enjoy yourself. Right. Now, another few things that you had mentioned. One is the tires. Tires go bad after a certain age, which yeah. is about six years. Six years, most, is the, most experts is, say. Right. You want to have your tires looked at before you leave town. Even though they still have a lot of great tread looking left on them, you want to check the dates on them. That's right. The date is on every tire manufactured since 1990, or is it 99? Oh, 90, I believe it was. I believe it was 90. And There's, again, it's a little cryptic. It's right. at the end of the DOT number, and it's it'll be the week and the year that it was manufactured. It doesn't have the month. should be four digits. Yeah, it'll be four digits on anything that should be on the road today. Correct. Three digits on the really early stuff. But let's say it says 2217. Well, that would be the 22nd week of 2017. Was when the tire was manufactured. Right. That's when it was manufactured. Now, that does not mean that's when you bought it because we've had people come in and they say, well, no, I just bought these tires. Well, they sold I've, you some old stock. I've seen three- and four-year-old tires being sold as new. That's right. And the thing is, it goes from the date of manufacture. Correct. Because sitting on the shelf is just as bad, some people say, worse than driving down the road. Exactly. You know, the tire gets old, and what most people do, they look at the tires the way they've always looked at tires, and they say, well, there's a lot of tread left on them. A lot of tread left on these tires. They look great. Yeah. Okay, there is a lot of tread on them, and the fact is they're seven years old, and tires seven years old, the adhesives that hold it together are being compromised. So when you get out on the interstate, putting around town, you may not notice too much. Right, you're not building that much heat. You get on the interstate, you drive from Baton Rouge to Atlanta. Well, that's 500 miles at 70 miles an hour if you're driving 70 miles an hour like you're supposed to. (laughs) Those tires get hot. They start coming apart. You may notice a subtle vibration at first. Then it becomes a severe vibration. Then you start hearing a slapping on the outside of the car, and that's the rubber beating the snot out the outside of your car. Or you lose control of the car. I was going to (laughs) say, if you're lucky, it just doesn't blow out and you lose control. That's right. So extremely dangerous situation. And I've had people say, well, I'll take that risk. Well, that's not a risk you can take right. for the other hundreds of thousands of people who are out there on that interstate. Because if you lose control of that car at 70 miles an hour... Go across the median and end up in oncoming traffic. Right. That's a 4,000-pound missile traveling sure. 70 miles an hour. You can't take that risk. Right. Because driving is not a right. It's you a know, privilege. It's not a constitutional amendment that gives you a right to drive a car. It's a privilege. And like with most privileges, come responsibility. Exactly. You are responsible to maintain that car in a safe operating condition. So I know we're just the land of the free and the home of the brave and everything, and I'm all for that. I'm not that big into government intervention into our lives. However, times are necessary right. because you have to protect everybody. everybody. That's not a choice you can make. That is something you have to do to be a responsible individual. And that happens a lot on motor homes most definitely because most people buy a motor home and when they first buy it they take a long trip maybe they put ten thousand miles on it or they take it out you know four or five times a year then they come back and it ends up they would like to take it out more but they just don't have time so it ends up sitting there for four five six years Mm -hmm. maybe they put a thousand fifteen hundred miles a year well those tires are going to look like brand new oh yeah gonna have a lot of tread left on them and if it's a big motor home there's probably a lot of tires on it six six maybe maybe even more or more and to complicate it even more or make it more expensive those tires are probably 10 ply 12 ply tires so they're very expensive 
So when you're looking at buying 10, 12 ply tires on a big, big motorhome, sure. that's kind of a rough deal to, <laughs> yeah. to swallow when the tires look like brand new. But again, you do not want this huge motorhome sliding sideways down the interstate, exactly slamming cars off the road right and left. And again, it's just part of being a responsible human being. You have to maintain your vehicle. Doesn't matter if they look good to you. You have to check that date. And it's also a good idea to look at the valve stems. Sure. Valve stems give just as much trouble as tires do. They do. They will degrade just as fast as a tire does. Yeah, just about the same length of time. And if the valve stems are bad, well, then it's the same thing. If the stem pops out, it's the same thing as the tire blowing out. That's right. Air pressure is leaving. That's right. The tire is going to go flat real, real, real fast. And, you know, some of those stems, they look great. And, you know, when we change stems at, at the shop, I got a pair of side cutters. We cut the bottom off and mm -hmm. pull them through. And you can always tell the ones that are real bad because when you squeeze them, they just break. That's right. The good ones, when you squeeze them, they just squeeze in return. You got to squeeze them harder to cut them to get them out. Yeah, you got to squeeze them pretty hard yeah. to cut through them because the rubber through them to is get them out. nice and pliable and firm and but all that. When they dry like that, it doesn't take much effort to knock them loose. Well, you can notice, too, if you just take your thumb and kind of push on that valve stem. Just bend it over? Yeah, some of them have a crack right there. Some of them start, it, it, right. start spraying air when you put your thumb on and push down. Right. And they should not do that at all. Should be no cracks in them. They should, should be not no leak. leak. If the, if you move, you should be able to move it around with no leaks at all. That's right. So if, if your valve stem is compromised, go ahead and get rid of it. Get some new ones in. They don't cost that much. Might save you a whole whole lot of grief. Exactly. Hey, take our final little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you two of us will try to answer any automotive questions you might have, go ahead and give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And we've got Al online. Good morning, Al. I had a couple of questions. I have a 2013 Dodge Journey. Mm -hmm. And every now and then, when we hit the brakes, the brake light will blink. And we've checked the cylinder and the main you know, master cylinder. Mm -hmm. looks like it's in the the fluid level good. Okay. And I was just wanting to pick your brain in regards to what it might be, if it's just an erratic sensor or well, it issue or could what. possibly be a bad sensor. Most of those, Alan, you can unplug that sensor temporarily uh -huh. and see if the light goes out and doesn't do it anymore. If the light intermittently comes on and you unplug the sensor and it does not do it then i would say you probably got a bad sensor it's a little float that floats up and down in there 
sometimes that float will get like a little crack in it and it'll get some brake fluid in it so it doesn't float properly and it's uh-huh. sitting in the wrong position so if you turn or you hit a bump whatever it may make contact for uh-huh. just a second that would certainly be one possibility uh-huh. you'd also need to go to service data and see what other things that light checks because sometimes they stick little stupid stuff in there that you don't really expect you uh-huh. know sometimes the abs system is hooked into the regular brake light and it may catch yeah. a fault just really quick not enough turn on the abs light but it may flag it as a brake light and you. in that case it would probably have a code stored in the chassis module that you could retrieve the last okay. thing that would occur to me check the parking brake make sure it's fully released because if that parking brake is just partially pressed, you know, it's a tiny, tiny amount, the little sensor on it turns the same light on, and it may be that it's making contact sometime. The sensor- or that switch could also be bad. Right. Gotcha. So those would just be some of the more simple things. All righty. All righty? Hey, well, thank you so much, Lewis. You bet, man. Thanks. You have a good day. Mm-hmm. Thank Bye-bye. You. Alright, 291-6901 is the number. You got a question, you just give us a call. We still we got were, a few minutes. You do. We were talking a little bit about taking your car on vacation and doing a pre-trip check. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like always, if you have a question about something else, you don't have to be limited to our topic. That's exactly. We'll, we, we'll answer any question you automotive question related you got. There you go. You mentioned also that cars with, say, a little minor squeaking in the front end or the back end or whatever... Mm-hmm. We may tend to just ignore that. Right, because of the weather down here. It stays warm most of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, during the winter, it gets, like you said, 30, 5, 40. But you start taking a vehicle like that up north, mm-hmm. and you get around zero, a little maybe below. That little squeak could turn into a detrimental repair. Well, it could turn into a failure or, at very least, it could turn into a very, very, very annoying, annoying squeak. <laughs> For instance, let's say you've got a control arm bushing and the rubber is dry rotted some in it and again down here where it's warm enough the rubber is still pliable enough to where you don't hear maybe an occasional little squeak Mm -hmm. but you go out west somewhere where it's very cold and now that rubber is very hard so it turns into a constant every time the suspension moves for 1500 miles (laughs) (laughs) and the radio may not go up loud enough that's right that can get very 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 annoying so again if you had that check before you left you may or may not choose to fix it because if the tech tells you hey look it's just a minor annoyance it's going to occasionally make a little squeak don't really worry about it at this time it's going to cost a lot to fix whatever then you've got an informed decision. But if you just totally ignore it, and it is something that's going to get worse, then you may have a different situation. Right. And the thing about getting your vehicle checked before you go, if you've got a bunch of little things going on and you have it checked and you find hey, you've got a major repair fixing to come up, mm-hmm. say something, they pulled a transmission pan and there's a little clip laying in there. Right. Well, you definitely do not want to take that vehicle out of town. Right. So it might be wise to rent a vehicle to take on vacation. It's not the end of the world to rent a vehicle to go on vacation. I know we're fixing to go up at Thanksgiving, we're going up to Gatlinburg mm-hmm. and Colonial Williamsburg and all that. And because of the age of my car and the mileage, and I'm taking my mother with me, I just really feel more comfortable with another car. So we're going to rent a car to take that trip. Right Now, it's- my car is still good for years more when I get back home. It's just I don't feel as comfortable. If it were just me or just me and Elaine, I wouldn't feel so bad about it. But with my mother in the car, I just would choose to get a sure. little newer vehicle to take. So 
we were down and rented, or, or we're going to go down and rent a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it's not that expensive when you consider the total scope of things. I've seen people say, well, I'm going to buy a car because I don't want Okay, well, that's great if you got the money to do it. But right. that's kind of like shaving with a double-bitted axe. <laughs> yeah. It can be done. It can but. be done, but all you want to do is take a few whiskers off. A razor would be a whole lot better right. approach. You really don't have to spend forty, fifty thousand dollars no, for something you go use once a year or once every two or three years, even. Right, rent a vehicle. It it'll give you an opportunity, even if you you know maybe in the market for a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. Rent one to take on vacation. See how you like it. See how you like it. Well, and that's what I chose to do because my car is getting hard to get parts for and stuff. So I'm going to be faced within the next two years with having to buy a vehicle. There's a certain vehicle I've been looking at. That looks pretty good to me, but I've never really driven one for a right. great. So I'm renting that vehicle. That's perfect. And I'll be in it for a week, week and a half. You'll know. And you'll I'll know, know after a week. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like this. Exactly. You know, I, it's hard to see when I turn, and it's uh, it rides rougher than I thought, and it doesn't get as good a mileage, and all the little stuff that is maybe very, very difficult to comprehend to when you're looking at vehicles. I know I bought a vehicle one time. And I liked the vehicle overall, but what I did not realize when I purchased it, it only had a 12-gallon fuel tank on it. Oh, man. That was so, so annoying. Oh, because, I guess, because you go out of town all the time. Yeah, I I'm, mean, around town, it's, it's an inconvenience, but, boy, you get out on the road. Oh, yeah. I was having to stop every 300 miles. To get fuel. 250, 300 miles, the light was coming on, you know, and... My newer car, uh, the one that I've got now, has about a 20-gallon fuel tank and gets 30 miles a gallon. Makes a big difference. Oh, my God. I can go forever. <laughs> and that was one of the criteria because I'd been so aggravated by this other car Yep, that that was one of the things I knew to look for. But when you just go and buy a car, let's say the car you have now has a 20-gallon fuel tank. Well, that's a non-issue to you. It doesn't annoy you. It's, mm-hmm. it's very convenient. You're, you're happy with it. So you just kind of assume all cars are like that. Right. And then you go buy one that's got a 10-gallon tank. We went from a 26-gallon a down to a 16. Mm-hmm. And the wife was complaining every week she had to fill it up. Well, before, she was going two weeks at a time to fill right. it up. And we ended up getting rid of that car pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those little things. But it's one of those things that's always with you. Oh, yeah. Every time you get in it. It's kind of like a rock in your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the end of the world. always it's not kill you, But it's just aggravating the snot out of you all day long. You yep. Know? And it's just that repetitive thing. And there are just little annoyances that are built into certain cars that maybe some people like. Now, me, one of the annoyances to me is a lot of technology. I do not like that. Mm -hmm. There are people who do like that. Yeah. And they build cars for them. And if they've got that car, that's wonderful. They like to sync with their iPhone. They like it to talk to them. They like it to do all these things. To me, that is an annoyance. Sure, sure. I want to get in a vehicle, maybe turn the radio on and go place to place. Well, I don't need it. I don't need my phone hooked up in the vehicle. I don't need it talking to me. I want to get in I want to turn a key. I don't want to push a button either. Well, that's right. I want to turn a key. And when I get out of my car, I don't want the seat to move all the way back. I don't want the steering column to move up and down. I don't right. want it to change radio. I, I don't want the car to do that. Like I said, there are people who like that. They love it. God, and that's, God yeah, bless them. Exactly. That's the car for them. But it's not the car for me because to me it's just simply annoying. Mm-hmm. I wish it'd be a big analog switch. Yeah, right. Just, just a big flip, flip it and flip just it. turn all that off. Kind of like a big breaker uh, bar. You know, just <laughs> shove it off. Yeah, just flip it and, and, and throw all that off. But I guess the point of what we're trying to go into with, with everything we're talking about today is that before you take your car out on the road, and particularly if you're driving to an area where the climate is much different from the climate where you live, mm-hmm. it's just wise to find a shop and have them look the car over. Now, one other thing is, when do you do this? 
Now, if you're leaving Saturday, you don't want to wait till, till Friday, Friday afternoon <laughs> to go get this done. Because right. as you mentioned earlier, let's say you pull the car in, you ask for a transmission service, they drop the pan as a handful of metal as a clip laying in the pan. Well, you're already prepared to load that vehicle to leave town the next day. Right. You probably are not in a position to go and buy a vehicle at this point. You're not in a position to get this one repaired at this point. And even trying to rent a vehicle within Close a day. To Thanksgiving holiday, we reserved ours a week ago. Right. And the guy said he only had a few left at that time. So if you wait to the last minute, the situation is going to get much, much, much more harried at best. Yes. And if a big expense comes up that you do have to deal with, that may take your, your vacation entire vacation money. out. Yeah, because right. the money you had for your vacation, now you have to pay for a transmission or whatever it may be, pinion or whatever one of those gadgets or gasmos <laughs> decides to fail on the car. So if you take the car in maybe a couple of weeks sure. before you're ready to go, that just makes a whole, whole lot more sense. Well, it gives you time to get things rearranged after if time to you react. have a problem. Time to react. If you have to rent something, you got time to get it done. If you have to rearrange something, if you're going to be delayed, you have time to make those plans. Exactly. So I see we're just about out of time here this week. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find the written review, and fill it out for us. That's right. That'll move us up in the ranking so that when people type in the word auto repair, we come up close to the top of the list so more people will click on us which means more people listen, which means they won't throw us off the show. Exactly. <laughs> Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a wonderful weekend.